Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail... Welcome back, it is Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. It's the delegate battle, Brian, on Super Tuesday. Not that long ago, the field of presidential candidates looked like this. More than 20 contenders vying for the Democratic nomination. Today, on this Super Tuesday, it looks more like this. Effectively, a two-person race between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Super Tuesday. Why is it important? What happened this week? And is it time to care yet? Now, American primaries are often full of sound and fury, signifying nothing with epic speeches and rabid rallies. So we thought a Kiwi touch might help to cut through the noise. Rebecca Wright's just returned home after three years as TVNZ's US correspondent in New York. So this is the moment that the Democrats have been waiting for, where they get to um, choose the person who's going to go up against Donald Trump. And that is such an unusual feature of American politics, is that for the, for the past three years, there has been no leader of the Democratic Party in terms of those presidential politics. It's, it's so weird to me. Here we have the leader of the opposition and we have the prime minister there. It's, it's fallen to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Um, to take on that that role. But it's different from having a presidential candidate for, for the Democratic Party. That person has a different platform, they have a different voice. And so it's the first time really that we're seeing who that voice might be. And it is front of mind for Democrats in Washington, D.C., but also for uh, all of the Democrat voters out there. So this is a big story for them. It's a new story too, which I think is... Um, why it's captivating people so much both there and, uh, you know, elsewhere in the world, here included. I'm always surprised by how much people here know about the story, the characters, um, and that level of detail uh, is really surprising to me about American politics. I don't know if that's always been the case, but it's certainly the case at the moment. Why should, I mean, should New Zealanders kind of care who the Democratic nominee is? I think it, this the Trump administration has been such a big story worldwide for so many different reasons. You know, the cult of the personality, the, the um, America first sort of foreign policy uh, that we've seen from him. All of the controversy and the chaos coming out of the White House has been captivating for people uh, right around the world. And I think that that is probably um, causing a lot of interest here in New Zealand. But I, it always confounds me that New Zealanders seem to really care what's going on over there. I know that there is some crossover. You know, what's happening there culturally sort of naturally makes its way to New Zealand. Also, the American economy is just massive um, for the global economy. So what's going on um, there is always important too. But I think people are just fascinated by this story. But some parts of the story can be a bit hard to get a grip on if you don't understand the language. Here delegates are not people but points and each state has a certain number of points to allocate to candidates uh, which are largely based on their populations. These candidate selection votes are called primaries. Only registered Democrats vote for the Democratic presidential candidate. Republicans have their own primaries but because their man is the president those are pretty much a formality. It is a confusing process. Some are caucuses, some are primaries, but really all we need to know is that each state will vote on their preferred candidate. They have to pick up a certain amount of delegates. I think the number is 1,991. So the person that gets to 1991 
will be anointed, I don't know if that's the right word, but at the Democratic Convention, and if nobody gets there, which could be the case given what's going on at the moment between Biden and Sanders, who have emerged this week, you know, in the past 72 hours as the front runners, there will be a contested convention, and that is a whole other thing. But basically, uh, there are delegates, there are super delegates, and um, th- that would be a really ugly process. Mm. I think what we are seeing right now in the U.S. and why politics is is such a big part of American life right now is there is this this battle for what it is to be American, what America stands for, who it is to the rest of the world, and who Americans uh, see themselves to be. That is the crux at the crux of what's going on in the United States at the moment. I think, and you know, you have this this person Donald Trump at one end, um, and you have sort of Bernie Sanders at the other end, and. That is why politics is so important, because there is a real culture war happening in the United States. And I think everybody recognises that. That is why it's become so personal. Do you think that there is also an element of theatre to it? Like the American... Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's almost like... Sometimes it almost feels like entertainment or reality TV. Certainly. And I think that that maybe is a feature of this presidency as well. He knows how to build a TV audience. He knows how to tease. He's stay tuned. You know, that is very much um, how Donald Trump operates. But it's also a feature of the media landscape in the United States. We have a 24-7 uh, cable news network environment there that does a blow-by-blow blow of what is going on in the White House, what is going on in the Democratic Party. Naturally, I think, you know, sort of that lends itself, I don't know, to that. It's more like reality TV than it is political analysis. So the question that we have got to ask ourselves, which is a terribly, terribly serious question, is who is the best candidate, which campaign is the best campaign to defeat Trump. We're better than this president, and so get up! Let's take back this country. We're the United States of America, and there's not a single thing we cannot do if we do it together. Why is Super Tuesday important? It's massive because it is, and we've seen that this year, um, it is a turning point always, uh, no matter which race you're looking at, because there are so many delegates up for grabs there. Uh, We've got California, Texas, uh, North Carolina has a lot of delegates too. So that is where you get the first sense of the field really as it actually is. Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, South Carolina, they are early voting states. They are not really representative of the demographic out there, the electorate out there for Democrats. And so Super Tuesday is the first chance to really see how America is feeling about those Democratic candidates. What was the state of the delegate allocation and uh, who was winning the race before Super Tuesday? So Sanders was out in front and there was a feeling that he may just cruise towards the nomination, that nobody could get in his way. But what we saw this week was fascinating. There's just been these massive moves in the past three days. We saw Biden take South Carolina. That was his firewall. But even he must have been thinking or wondering whether he could really do that because he had done so poorly in those early voting states, and that must have been a real worry to his campaign. But African Americans saved Joe Biden in South Carolina on Saturday. And they resurrected his campaign. And so then the question was, does he have the momentum to sort of to, to come through on Super Tuesday? And he was given a big lift by Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, who both exited the race. 
And they were two very, I thought, impressive and very thoughtful candidates. Uh, And they did the right thing in terms of the Democratic Party by getting out before Super Tuesday and clearing that centre lane for Biden. I believe we can do this together. And that is why today I am ending my campaign and endorsing Joe Biden for president. When I ran for president, we made it clear that the whole idea was about rallying the country together to defeat Donald Trump and to win the era for the values that we share. And that was always a goal that was much bigger than me becoming president. And it is in the name of that very same goal that I'm delighted to endorse and support Joe Biden for president. There was still a wild card during Super Tuesday, which was Bloomberg. We hadn't seen him before. We hadn't got a sense of how much support he had out there, how much support he'd been able to buy. But it turned out that uh, Bloomberg's 500 million US dollars only bought him uh, American Samoa. And so he this morning is gone from the race. And I think that's good because I I think he was a cynical candidate. He was problematic. uh, And Elizabeth Warren illuminated why at that debate. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. (laughs) Democrats. Okay, so what actually happened on Super Tuesday? Super Tuesday really delivered on the super, a real shocker and a political earthquake. These are the results nobody saw coming. Let's go straight to the map this morning. Joe Biden surging to victories in nine states, including a surprise win in Texas. Bernie Sanders won three states, including his home state of Vermont. Turning now to the delegate count, Biden grabbing the lead over Sanders at the moment, 449 to 371. Keep in mind, though, it takes 1,991 to win the nomination, so we've got a long way to go to get there. Yeah. So it's, it, it is pretty much accurate, is it, to say that Biden, Biden really won Super Tuesday, if you were to talk in such terms? I think that is certainly the headline. He's back. He is out in front as we talk here this morning in the delegate count, but Sanders could pick up more in California you know, that's those numbers are still coming in. And so he he may well overtake Biden. One of the ways that people have sort of characterised these two candidates is Biden representing sort of the slow evolution of centre-left politics and Sanders going for real large-scale revolution. Is that an accurate characterisation? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Bernie Sanders does want a revolution, and many Americans want a revolution too. I know that um, they're looking to Bernie Sanders as an outsider, um, somebody from outside the the Washington establishment, which is really ironic to me because he has been a senator for 40 years, I think. <laughs> so as an outsider, he spent a long time on the inside, but he doesn't campaign that way. Mm. And so there are many Americans who are looking for something outside of the Washington establishment. Um, that's how President Trump got elected. Bernie Sanders is probably hoping that that's how he gets elected too. 
Joe Biden has a really close association. Obviously, he was vice president to, to Barack Obama. Do you think that that plays into people's perceptions of him? It's certainly one of Joe Biden's strengths. And he, at every opportunity he gets, will talk about the Obama-Biden presidency. And that's certainly part of his attraction with the African-American community. And we have seen that already. Um, he has strong connections with them through the Obama presidency. Um what we haven't seen so far, I don't think, is, is President Obama come out or indicate in any sort of meaningful way which way you know he thinks that Democrat voters should swing. But I think it is pretty implicit that Joe Biden was his vice president. Certainly, he had a very close relationship with him. Uh, and I think most voters probably know that that you know, would be the candidate that Obama favoured. Hmm. One candidate who got a lot of media attention was Elizabeth Warren, mm. yet now she sits with something like a tenth of the delegates of either of the two front runners. What do you make of her campaign? I think Elizabeth Warren um, is a very impressive candidate, but she isn't somebody that speaks to a broad swathe of the electorate in the United States. She certainly has some very, very enthusiastic um, supporters and a great campaign operation. She's also a massive fundraiser. And so I think that may be adding to what we're seeing now, which is that she should pull out of this race. She hasn't got a chance of getting the nomination. So the question, I suppose, you know, has to be for her, why are you still going? And I think, you know, I don't, only Elizabeth Warren knows the answer to that, but I think it shows a lack of self-awareness on her behalf. And she has the money to keep on going in this race. So perhaps it's just a difficult thing, you know, to pull out for her at this stage. But um, she has run a pretty extraordinary uh, campaign in her own way, but I don't think that she ever really connected with enough Democratic voters. And, yeah, I'm not sure either where her support will go, whether it will fall in behind Bernie, who is naturally on the same part of the spectrum as her, or, you know, whether those people will fall in behind somebody like Biden, for example. We're at the stage now where candidates are pulling out of the race and they're endorsing other candidates. Mm. And as you mentioned, Pete Buttigieg and uh, Amy Klobuchar both came out and endorsed Biden before Super Tuesday. Why is that important? Yeah, I think it's just a signal to their supporters that um, they need to fall in behind this candidate. But um, it is important, it is interesting as well, that I think that there's one endorsement which has really changed or been a turning point for uh, Bernie Sanders in this campaign, and that was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who came out for him um, after he had his heart attack. The 2020 Democratic presidential candidate spent three days in a Las Vegas hospital. Doctors found a blockage in one of his arteries and inserted two stents. He was released on Friday. He had been off the campaign trail for two weeks. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez threw her weight uh, behind him at this massive uh, rally in Brooklyn. I'm proud to say that the only reason that I had any hope in launching a long-shot campaign for Congress is because Bernie Sanders proved that you can run a grassroots campaign and win in an America where we almost thought it was impossible. 
And that changed, I think, uh, the fortunes of his campaign. She brought in the youth vote uh, or or sort of solidified or galvanised that for him. And she also brought in Latinos. And we have seen that pay off for him in California uh, on Super Tuesday. So those endorsements, each endorsement brings its own sort of block of voters, if you like, to that candidate. And... um, and that essentially in the end is what it's all about. Who can build the biggest coalition uh, among Democrat voters? It seems incredibly likely that the US presidential race is going to be a battle of septuagenarians. <laughs> People who are yeah. in there. I mean, Trump is going to be 74 and either Sanders or Biden will be 78 or 79 by the time the election rolls around. Which is incredible in the sense yeah. of other sort of Western democracies. You know, there are New Zealand, Austria, Finland, Ukraine. They all have heads of state under 40 years old. Is that where the involvement of the young politicians in America comes in as sort of supporting cast, associate directors almost? Yeah, possibly. I just think politics is an old person's game in the United States. I don't know exactly why that is, but it may be to do with the amount of money you need to get elected there, even at the Senate level. Um, and we have seen some some very good sort of millennial candidates, if you like. Pete Buttigieg is the obvious one, uh, 37, I think, um, ran an outstanding campaign. Beto O'Rourke, uh, he caught fire in Texas but couldn't translate that into any sort of meaningful um, presidential campaign. We even Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, obviously, the whole squad in um, Congress at the moment. But these are exceptions. These people are exceptions to the rule in American politics, which seems to be uh, that it favours older and uh, right now white males. So, yeah, that is confounding given how diverse the American electorate is. They just came out with a poll a little while ago. Mini Mike was at 15 and Crazy Bernie was at 31. That's a lot. And Mini Mike just spent 500 million. But, but the DNC, the DNC is going to take it away from Bernie again. And that's okay, because we don't care who the hell it is. We're going to win. We're going to win. We have to. I guess the big question of this is, how do either of the prospective candidates stack up against Donald Trump? I don't think we have a clear enough picture right now that the polling is really worth putting much stead in. The polling uh, that is probably worth looking at is his approval ratings, and they are holding pretty steady after moving around quite a lot early in his presidency, but his own approval ratings are pretty steady um, right now. Personally, sitting here in the studio with you today, I think Donald Trump is going to win again uh, in November of this year. I just do not see any threat coming from uh, within the Democratic Party right now or that he is losing any of his uh, support base that that really, you know, that really makes me question whether or not he can do it again in November. Remember, too, another crucial factor is that he has a huge war chest. Mm. He has been raising money for this campaign since the day he took office, and so have the Republicans. They have a massive data operation. They are a well-oiled machine. And so I think while the Democrats have been um, are, are sort of engaged in this process of choosing their candidate, Donald Trump um, is already three years into his re-election campaign. And I don't see, you know, right now at least, and this can change and it always does, which is why it's so fascinating, but I don't see any threat... Uh, to Donald Trump getting re-elected in November on the horizon right now.
That's the detail for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The details brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day and if you're on Apple, please leave us a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell and thanks to TVNZ's Rebecca Wright. Matewa. Matewa.